0: Who's excited for tonight? Okay, okay. So I think this side is excited, so I'm going to preach here in the beginning and I'll I'll come back to you guys in a little bit. So today I want to take you on a journey, is that okay? Do you guys trust me? (laughs) Uh, I got a little bit less yeses there, but I want to take you on a journey and we're just going to go straight into the message. Um, I love cats. My name is Dennis. Uh, that's all you need to know for now. If you want to get to know more, talk to me after service. I'm always down, unless my mom is rushing me, which whatever. We'll talk about that anyways. <laughs> so the title of my message today is, What Time Is It? And uh, before we pray, just a quick introduction. Um, what Time Is It is such a frequently asked question. It's a question that we ask after we wake up from a nap. Ooh, what time is it when it's getting late at night and you want your friends to leave your house? Dang, bro, it's getting kind of late. What time is it? I think it's time for you to go home. <laughs> Whenever you're in a hurry, oh, my God, what time is it? I got to go. And there's so many questions, so many situations where we can ask, what time is it? But then there's also so many answers. It's uh, time for you to get a watch. What time is it? Oh, it's, it's 12 o'clock. What time is it? It's 2 in the morning. What time is it? It's hair past skinning for the weird people. What time is it? Oh, it's uh, 1728. And I'm like, okay, what is that? Like, well, if you divide it by 5 and it's subtracted by 2 and multiply by the square root of 67, you'll understand what it means in regular time. And I'm like, I was asking for regular time. What time is it is a very worldwide known phrase, and I'm pretty sure it'll never die off. What time is it is the title of my message if you're taking notes today. And I want to read a verse before we get into the prayer, and it's going to take you to John chapter 11, if you could put the verse up. It's on verse, I mean, John chapter 12, forgive me, verse 2 and 3. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping his feet with her hands, the house was filled with a fragrance. Bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. Jesus, we love you. Before I say this word to your people, God, I want to receive this word. Before it goes to anybody else, God, let it come to me because, honestly, I need this word. I'm not perfect, God, and I need more of you, God. So right now, I ask for more of you, God. I empty me of myself so that you can overflow in my heart to all these people, God, that you love. Let every word that I say fall to the earth and die never to be heard again. But every word that you say, God, let it be a seed planted in their hearts. We love these people, God. We bless these people in your name, God, that everyone may open their hearts for your word, God not mine. Let all the glory be to you, all the honor, and all the thanks. And everyone says amen. amen and amen. So like I said, I'm going to take you through a journey. Is that okay? Can I take everybody on a journey? Yeah. So imagine me with, if you will, we're all going to be in this together, something, one thing that you love more in the entire world, like my cat. I love my cat. <laughs> So grab one thing that is in your heart as soon as I said the word love the first person the first thing the first Activity the first hobby the first thing that ever came into your mind I want you to hold on to it. And I want you to think of that thing. I'm, I'm going to give an example uh, I don't know my cat yeah my cat no I'm, I'm going to say my mom because I love my mom So I'm going to pick my mom. I love her more than anything in the entire world. Sorry Simba We'll talk about it when we we'll get home. I love her more than anything in the entire world Now grab that one thing and imagine with me, if you will, that you have that thing laying down right in front of you on its deathbed. And it's the last breath of that thing's life, that person's life. We're going to say person. It's the last breath that that person is taking. But you have one person to go to, and you have one letter that you can write to that person to move their heart in such a way that they will heal that person. The very thing that you love the most in life is right here, dying before your eyes. And you have a couple of words that you write on paper to speak to someone, give them that letter, move their heart in a way that you will save that person's life that you love with all your heart. Whether it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your dog, your cat, your brother, sister, mother, father, whoever it is, that one person you love, you can save their life. With one letter. And I want to take you to a book in the Bible called John, chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. And we find two characters in the Bible that I want to focus on today. And it's Mary and Martha. Somebody, somebody say Martha. Martha. So Mary and Martha were in the same predicament that we just pictured in our heads right now. That person that they love who is their brother Lazarus is dying. And the Bible says this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters, somebody say two. The two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. You see, Martha and Mary were in a position where their brother whom they loved... You don't just push your brother to the side when he's dying. You love your brother. You have a desire for your brother to live a long life, have family, have your nephews, your nieces, and love on the family be together forever. That's their brother who is dying, and they write these words. Lord, your dear friend is very sick. If you have one letter to give to Jesus about the person you love to save their lives, would you write, Lord, your dear friend is very sick? If I'm writing a letter about my mom, my mother is on her deathbed dying right before me, and I have one letter to write to Jesus, I'm starting a whole checklist. I'm saying, Jesus, look at my mom. Number one, she's beautiful. You made her. Remember that. Number two, she served you all her life. Number three, she loved you no matter what you put her through, God. Number four, she served you faithfully in her job, in her school, in her environment, in her family. She led me to become the person I am. Jesus, look at everything she's done for you. The person that is dying right here that I love, God. Look, I love her. If you don't pity her, pity me, Jesus. I love her. Save her life. Look at everything she's done for your kingdom. Look at all the faithfulness that she's had, God. And if she hasn't done anything, look at all the love I have for you, God. Just please, please. That's my mother. I can't have her die right now. Jesus, please. See, but Mary and Martha don't do that. And I'm reading this, and I love to put myself in the Bible when I read. And I'm like, yo, Mary, like, you stupid girl. Like, what are you doing? Her focus wasn't on everything Lazarus did for the kingdom of God. It was more, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. In other translations, I love when it says, it says, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. So their focus wasn't on how much Lazarus loved Jesus, instead on how much Jesus loved Lazarus. See, the way to move God's heart is not telling him how much you love him, but telling him you understand how much he loves you. You see, but Mary and Martha understood one thing, that it's now or never, man. We got to write this letter to Jesus, and it's now or never, and there are probably dead things in your life. There's probably a relationship that is dying with your heart and Jesus. There's probably something right now that is sick on its deathbed that is inside of you. And you need to understand that the time is now. Or it may be never. So as they write this story, I was judging them like a, like a bad Christian. I'm sorry, God. I was judging them. I was like, Mary, Martha, you're crazy. But then we continue reading the story. And I'm like, whoa, Jesus, what did you just say to them? See, not only was Mary and Martha's letter to Jesus crazy, one to them was crazy. Verse 4. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Amen, Jesus. Awesome. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory for him. Awesome. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was the next two days. Now, a piece of information you need to know, which is context of this, is that the place where Jesus was at and the place where Lazarus was dying was only about two to three miles away from each other. So Jesus says, don't worry, he's not going to die. I got him. Don't worry. This is for God's glory. And we hear that in our lives. Don't worry. It's for God's glory. What you're going through is for God's glory. It's awesome. But what happens if they tell you what you're going through is for God's glory, and then you can't see Jesus? What happens if they say it's for God's glory, but then Jesus isn't there in the situation? What happens if Jesus says, I'm coming to your home, but now he's taking his time? So Jesus says, don't worry. It's good. Don't even worry about it. I'm going. But then he stays two more days. Jesus stays in the city two more days. Then finally, on the fourth day, he looks at his disciples. He says, yo, let's go back. We'll go back. Then right after Jesus says, let's go back, somebody comes up to him and says, yo, Jesus, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. Let's back check a little bit. The day he got the letter, that's one day. Don't worry, I'll be there. I'm going to stay here two more days. Two days pass, now it's the fourth day. So that means Lazarus has been in the f- grave for four days. Jesus took four days. The very same day Jesus received the letter and said everything was going to be okay was the very same day that Lazarus died in the grave. And it's so horrible. And we're looking at Jesus like, Jesus, you said it was going to be okay. You were about 20 minutes away from my house. You could have saved my brother. But you said he'll be fine. And then he died that exact same day. It's amazing receiving good news like, okay, everything's going to be okay. But what if you receive good news and right after, hours after, the very thing you were praying for, the very thing you received good news about is now finally dead. So Jesus makes his way on the fourth day when it seems too late. (laughs) Then we pick off on verse 20. We're going to keep going. When Mary got those words that Jesus, when Martha got the words that Jesus was coming, she went to meet with him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you only would have been here on time, my situation would not be dead. Everything I'm going through would still be okay. I would have overcame, God. Everything I'm going through is dead because you were not on time. Then Jesus told her, your brother will rise again the second time. Your brother would rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Amen. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? This new birth. Do you believe that whoever lives in Jesus, believes in Jesus, will live even after dying? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is and came from God. Then she returned to Mary. And that's where I want to put my little focus on right now. Jesus asked her, do you believe that I can bring dead to life? Do you believe that if people live in me, they would not die? And she dodges his question. She said, yes, I believe you came from God. No, 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 Martha, that wasn't the question. He said, do you believe that after me, when you have life with me, there is no death? And she said, yeah, I believe you came from God. And then after that, what I like to believe is she tapped him on the shoulder, and then she returned to Mary. After Jesus said, yo, do you believe in me? She said, I believe you came from God. Tap on the shoulder. I'm going back to Mary. She told Jesus she believed in him, but then she walked away and betrayed him. How many times as Christians do we look at Jesus, cry in our situation, and say, God, I need you. I'm here. Do you believe in me? I believe you do it one day. Tap on the shoulder. Go back to the place where everybody is crying. Mary stayed home because she couldn't hold it. She couldn't meet Jesus. She was crying. Martha had the bravery to step out and say, Jesus, this is my situation. I got it. You got it someday, Jesus. And she walked away from him. There's so many times as Christians we do that very same thing. We go to the feet of Jesus and we say, Jesus, look at my mess. Look at my situation. He says, I got you. And you say, yeah, you, you got it one day. You know, many times you go to Jesus, believe in him, and walk away. But do you just believe in his eternity like Martha did? Or do you believe in God's now? You see, because God, he has something planned. Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, for I have plans to prosper and not to harm you, all that. Everything is planned. But do you just believe in his eternity or do you believe in God's now? Because God has, he has something planned. Don't worry about that. There's something coming. He got something planned. But now he wants something to happen. You see, we got to be Christians that don't just believe in his eternity but live in his now. You see, we can't be looking at Jesus living life right now, looking at Jesus going to do something over there. Yes, he is. I'm marching to my promise. I'm marching to my blessing. Your blessing is right here. Your blessing is right now. So Martha goes back home. <laughs> She's crying. She don't do what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to stay there in the fight. We're going to do it right now. Jesus is going to do something right now in our lives. Martha didn't believe that, so she went back to Mary. Then she tells Mary, she says, yo, uh, Mary, I was in it off. Uh, Jesus out there. He wants to go look for you. He didn't do nothing for me. Maybe he'll do something for you. Go to Jesus. So then Mary goes to Jesus. And Mary, when she goes to Jesus, we pick off, and she falls at the feet of Jesus. And she says, Jesus, if you would have only been there, my brother would not have died. And Jesus looks at her, and he says, where did you bury him? You see, look, if you would have been here, he would not have died. And Jesus disregards her, and he says, just show me where he is. Show me where the very thing that I disappointed you in is. And Jesus saw that she was crying, and he saw that there was people behind her, that they were all crying. And the Bible says that a deep anger wailed inside of him. And he asks, where have you put him? Verse 35, the craziest thing. The craziest thing I've ever seen Jesus do. This is probably the most humanistic verse in the entire Bible of Jesus, our creator. The one who wrote beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. We see him in his most humanistic, most vulnerable form and the shortest verse in the Bible ever. Then Jesus wept. You see, now sometimes we forget that Jesus is God. Do We believe that Jesus is God in his place. So remember, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The Bible says that he literally has your days counted, your life story written down before you were even born. He thought of you. He knows everything that's going to happen, and he's going to be there through the entire thing. So why? Why is Jesus crying? Jesus knows what's going to happen. He said it twice. Your brother will not die. He said it twice, your brother's life will not end in death. I'm going to revive him. He's okay. He will not end in death. I got this. He said it twice, so why is he crying? And I'm looking at Jesus, and again, I put myself in the Bible, and, whoa, you're questioning Jesus, Dennis? What kind of church is this? Don't worry about it. I'm looking at Jesus like, Jesus, why are you crying? You know exactly what's going to happen. You're going to do it in the next couple of verses. Why are you crying? There's really no point in crying. There's no reason for you to be shedding tears and for your heart to be hurting, for your heart to be breaking in a situation you know you're going to fix. And we're all in a situation, and Jesus is looking at your situation just like he was looking at Lazarus in the grave, and he's crying over your situation. And we're like, Jesus, if you know you're going to heal this, if you know you're going to help this, we believe in you. We believe in what you're doing. We believe in your eternity. Why are you crying? And Jesus speaks. He says, because my love is now. See, Jesus' love for you is now. It's not focused on tomorrow because it knows what's going to happen. It's not focused on the past because it forgave what already happened. Jesus' love is now. It's like if you have a TV show at 10 o'clock. My TV show's coming at 10 o'clock. It's 730. I'm not going to be looking at my TV like, is my show on? Because I know it's not time yet. So I'm looking at the TV. No, no, no. I'm focused on what I got to do. Jesus knows the program is coming. He knows what happened. The show hasn't passed. The show hasn't come. So I want to love right now. Jesus' love for you is now. And We see this when Paul writes in 1313. 13 craziest craziest crazy after jesus lives many years down the road paul writes one of the greatest writers in the new testament he writes he says three things will last forever and in, in, in other versions it says and now these three remain after everything in the world is wiped away now these three remain faith hope and faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love We learn that Jesus' love for us is now. And we understand that love is the greatest. You see, faith is the belief that God did something. I have faith because he brought me out of that situation. I have faith because he took me out of my mess. So I rely on my faith in Jesus. Now, hope is I believe God is going to do something. I believe God is ahead of me and he's making a way. But you see, there's a difference with love. Faith is something you lean on. Hope is something you strive for. But love is right here and love is right now. And I love, I love when it says that the greatest of these is love. Because it's not something I got to lean on. It's not something I got to wait for. I get the greatest thing right now. And it is the love of Jesus. The greatest of these is love. You are loved by Jesus. Jesus loves you so much. And you want to know when he loves you? He loves you right here. He loves you right now. It's not something you got to wait for and rely on because it's right now, it's well, and it's active. Jesus loves you right now. So, reaching the end of the story, Jesus, he goes, he continues, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. It all happens. So then we continue off. Jesus loves us, and, and I'm loving Jesus, and, and he's loving me, and people are looking at me like, yo, like, you really love Jesus? Like, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of absurd. And I've been living my life for all 17 years, haven't always been loving Jesus. But people have seen me that I love Jesus from periods of time, and they ask me, like, yo, do you really love Jesus? And I'm like, yeah, I love Jesus. Like, that's what I do. I love Jesus. What I was made to do is what I was born for, to worship and love my God, the one who died for me, the one who saved me. And they're like, but how do you love Jesus? Like, life is so crazy and and life is so difficult and everything. And I'm like, well, you're questioning how I can love Jesus? I'm questioning why Jesus loves me. It's not even about how crazy it is that I love Jesus. It's not crazy that you love Jesus. That's a given. It's crazy that Jesus loves you. He is perfect. He is blameless. You are shameful. And you are sinful. And you're living this life and you're living in the world, but it's not that you love Jesus. It's crazy that He loves you. You loving Jesus is a given. It's like the nerd falling in love with the beautiful model that's in the top of the lunch tables and everybody loves her. And then the nerd falls in love with the model. All right, that's cool. Everybody falls in love with the model. But now, all of a sudden, the model falls in love with the nerd, and we're like, what is going on? It's not crazy that the nerd fell in love with the model. She is beautiful. It's crazy that the model fell in love with the nerd. It ain't crazy that Jay-Z fell in love with Beyonce. It's crazy that she fell in love with him. I'm looking at her, and I'm like, yo, girl, you gotta, come on, girl. You got to fix your eyes. It's not crazy that he loves her. It's crazy she loves him. It's not crazy that you love Jesus. Don't feel like you crazy. Feel like he crazy for loving you. So we continue on. For the last, the worship team can come up as I close. Y'all can get ready, do y'all thing. Piano, please make me feel and seem better because it sounds more beautiful. Ready? And it's not crazy (laughs) that you love Jesus. It's crazy that he loves you. So we continue on in the story. And Jesus goes away because he gets him to be killed goes away but then he comes back after Jesus comes back he's in the house again and we pick off on chapter 12 again and on chapter 12 we're going to read it six days before the Passover celebration began Jesus arrived in Bethany the home of Lazarus the man he had raised from the dead I love how they put that next to Lazarus name because now when people think of Lazarus they think of the person that Jesus raised from the dead She's at the home. A dinner was prepared for in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary, she took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made of the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance. See, Jesus comes back a couple of days after he raises Lazarus. And I love when the Bible says that Lazarus was sitting with Jesus. Because the essence of all of that in different versions, it says that Lazarus was reclining with Jesus. Whenever you hear in the Bible that people were sitting with Jesus, you can literally say they were reclining with Jesus, which is another word for relaxing. Because when you're with Jesus, no matter what you've been through, you can relax. You see, but Mary, I want to focus on Mary's perspective today. Mary had this perspective, she said, it's now or never that I, that I raise my brother from the dead, giving Jesus honor, now or never, Lazarus is going to die, it's now or never. Then She, she knows she'll, Jesus loves me now, but now she switches her perspective and says, I got to love Jesus now. See, now it's my time, the Bible says that Martha was cooking in the kitchen, she was making that good Popeye's chicken. Lazarus was relaxing he was reclining with Jesus they were telling stories but Mary went straight to the feet Mary went straight to the feet of Jesus and in chapter 1132 we read that when Mary first saw Jesus her brother was still dead at this point she fell to his feet and she cried if you would have only been here my brother would not have died now a couple of days later we see that she's back at the feet of Jesus but she's not crying no more she's worshiping You see, and you may be looking at Jesus, you may be saying, every Friday I come to the altar and cry because I keep messing up. Every time I'm in God's presence, all I can do is cry because I feel unworthy. Every time I come in God's presence, all I can do is complain about my problems. And Jesus looking at you like he looked at Mary. He said, you may be crying at my feet each and every day, but I'm about to take you to a place where all you can do is worship at my feet. And it's so difficult. And I'm at Jesus' presence and all I can do is cry, God, look at this, look at that, look at this. And and after, I feel like a bad Christian because all I can do is cry. I can't even focus on Jesus but Jesus looks at me and he says I know you're crying now but stay at my feet I got something for you and you're going to stop crying and you're going to start worshipping you're going to stop crying you're going to start worshipping you see the title of my message is what time is it and I hope I answered that question the time is now it's now or never Jesus love for you is now the time to love God is now it's not crazy that you love him, it's crazy that he loves you the time is now, if you've thought about this a million times in your brain, if you've ever questioned it no, 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 no throw those away, forget about what happened, forget about what's coming because we know that Jesus' love is now so we gotta love him now, and if we continue to wait for now, now is gonna disappear and it's gonna be too late with this I conclude there's a, there's a Christian movie, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a football movie have you ever seen Coach Carter or something like that and uh, what does he say? I, I don't know what he said, something about Titans. There we go, that one. So it's a movie, it's a Christian movie, and the coach, he goes to a team, they're the worst team in, in the county, the worst team in the state. It's their final practice before the first game of the season. Then he goes to them, he's, he's putting them in the huddle, they're laying down on the floor, relaxing, and they start talking about the team, We're just uh, we're gonna call them the Cowboys. The team they're going up ahead on, on Monday, the first game of the entire season is the Cowboys. One of the boys asks, yo, coach, you think we can beat him? Then another boy's name is Brock. Should have stayed quiet. <laughs> Brock says, I don't even think we got a chance. I'll be happy if we score one touchdown. That team is back-to-back champs. We've never won a game in the last three years. Do you understand who we are? And he starts talking down on the team, saying, Do we even have a chance? So the coach looks at him. He says, Yo, Brock, come here. I got you. He looks like He's said, coach, am I in trouble now? He's like a, a little fat boy and he's like got a weird voice. He's like, coach, am I in trouble now? Coach says, no, I just want you to do something for me. All right, come right here. Come to the first line of the football field. I want you to do the death crawl. So what the death crawl is, basically you're on all fours, but your knees can't touch the ground. You're on your fingertips and you're on your, the tips of your toes. He said, I want you to death crawl to the 30-yard line. Actually, no, I think you can go the 50. And he looks at Coach, he's like, okay, Coach, I'll do the 50. And he says, but now I want you to do it with Jeremy on your back. Jeremy, come here. He puts Jeremy on his back. He says, all right, Coach, I'll do it again to the 50. And then Coach looks at him, he's going, like, all right, awesome. Now you're going to do it blindfolded. And He asked the Coach a question. He says, Coach, when do I know when to stop? He says, don't worry about where you're going. Don't worry about when you've got to stop. Just focus right here, right now. Just do it. Just go and do it. I'm going to blindfold you. And he says, all right, coach, I'll I'll do it, whatever. So he starts moving. He got a 160-pound man on his back. He keeps going. He's going. He's crawling. He's crawling. And the coach is like, come on, don't give up on me. He says, Brock, don't give up on me. I'm right here with you. Don't worry about it. Just keep going. And it gets so intense that his teammates, they stop laughing at him. They're like, oh, he got in trouble. But now the room becomes so intense, the field becomes so intense that all the team stands up behind Brock and they're like come on, Brock, and their their throats are choking because they're, they're still in the transition from laughing to crying and, and being with him, and they're like, all right, all right Brock, you, you got this, come on, and it gets tougher every time, and it gets to the point that Brock, he starts screaming. He says, Coach, I can't keep going. He's like, you better keep going, Brock. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you're going. I'm right here with you. Give me one more. Give me one more. And he says, Coach, I can't. It hurts too much. I'm about to give up. I'm about to give up. He's like, come on. He's like, Coach, when do I stop? He says, don't worry about that. We're going to keep going. I'm right here with you. We're going to keep fighting. Coach, it it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Don't worry, Brock. And finally, he falls to the ground. You can see his arms shaking. You see everything in his body just hurting. He asked Coach, he said, Coach, did I make it to the 50? He says, No, Brock. You made it across the entire football field. You made it across the entire football field with a 140 pound man on your back. And then the guy he goes, Coach, I'm 160. And then Brock starts crying. And he looks at Brock, he says, listen, God gave you an influence and a strength that you cannot put to waste. Forget about what's ahead of you. Forget about what's behind you. They are giants. But I want you to focus on right here, right now. And Jesus looking at us today with the same eyes, I believe he looked at Martha. And the same eyes he looked at Mary. And the same eyes he looked at Lazarus. And he says, my love for you is now. So I challenge this church. I challenge us to throw everything away that's been behind us, to forget about what's coming, because there's, there's stuff coming. There's a promise up ahead. We're gonna face many trials, we're gonna receive many blessings, good and bad, is coming. But forget about that, forget about what happened. Just love Jesus now. Just love Jesus now. Ver- throw up 1 Corinthians again one more time, please. First Corinthians, three things will last forever. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, have your way, God. Have your way. See, right now we're at a position where we have to make a decision to love Jesus now or wait for tomorrow. But also remember, tomorrow's not promised. You don't know if you're going home today. I don't know if I'm going home today. So I'm making a decision to love Jesus now. So at the count of three, if you want to love Jesus, if you want to accept Jesus, if you want this love that he has for us now, if you want it right now, I want you to raise your hand at the count of three. Number one, Jesus loves you now. It's now or never. It's literally now or never. Two, raise your hand, Jesus. If you want Jesus' love right now in the name of Jesus. Can everybody stand up, stand up, stand up. Hold the hand of the person next to you as we, as we pray. Hold their hand nice and tight. Whoever it is next to you, hold their hand, hold their hand. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I repent from my sins. I throw everything behind me away. I forget about everything in front of me. And I'm focused on right here, right now. And I will follow you for the rest of the days, but I'm going to start...